Welcome to another episode of That's a Wrap Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jay Rosales. I'm joined by Dre. We are missing Jason, but we are on to record after a, how do you want to say, Dre? Exciting victory? A sloppy victory? I don't know what you want to call this, but the Raptors are up 2-0 on the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets after, I guess, surviving and crawling through a 104-99 victory. Dre, how, how, do you, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Um, we're obviously missing uh, J number two, the, the audio engineer. We love you and we miss you. But this allows me to go hog wild with my Seinfeld references, with my, fo- with my, fellow, on, Seinfeld, my fellow Seinfeld friend here, Jay. So uh, the only thing I could think of this entire game, okay, the fourth quarter of this game, let's be real. Remember that scene where Kramer bets on Papernick to win the, the horse <laughs> racing? His mother was a mutter. His father was a mutter. What did I just say? Anyway, <laughs> board to swap eats it up. Uh, so it, if you don't watch Seinfeld, it's it's a it's a horse race. It's an it's a, the day after it rained. Uh, this horse apparently loves to slop, so it fights dirty and it, and it, you know, it's destined to win. Starts off in last place, books it at the end, and guess what? Papernick wins, and that's what this was. The start of this game looked really bad at first when we were being clobbered by the Nets, but we kept getting really close and not closing. So for the other two quarters, we were really close, but not overtaking. Really close, but not overtaking. And then the fourth happened. And let's be real, that the Raptors play fantastically. Not really, but this is still a sign of how good this team is, but also a sign of how damn hard the Nets are trying. And even if they know they're not going to win, they're for sure making it a nightmare for us to continue the rest of the playoffs because they're not giving up that easily. And we have to try. And that's what a big lesson of this game is. doesn't matter who you're facing. It's the playoffs. They're going to make you work. It doesn't matter. There's no easy walkthrough, as we've learned with all of the first games. There's no easy cakewalk and the first round of the 2020 playoffs in, might I remind you, a league with great parity. The Lakers lost. The Bucks lost. Um, most of the games have been really close, no matter what the matchups are. This is a playoffs. Need I remind you, this is only round one, and everything is looking like a battle until the end, even a depleted Brooklyn Nets team. Give us those numbers. Let's see what we got. Well, actually, uh, yeah, I, I, there are a few numbers here that jumped out to me in regards to this game. But actually, before I jump into the numbers, I did want to ask you, because I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Did you feel like at any point the Raptors were going to lose? And the reason why I ask that is, you know, your reference to the Seinfeld episode and, <laughs> and wanting to win. And, you know, did, did that doubt ever creep in into your head? I don't know if I ever felt we were going to lose, but for a good chunk of the game, I was like, I know we can win. Can we just prove me right? Can we just please do this? So it was never like I was sitting back, relaxed, like, no, we're going to win. We're fine. We're down by 12. Who cares? We're good. Like, I was never comfortable. I never felt like we were going to lose. Yeah, I was pretty much at the edge of my seat for a 
good portion of it because it's like this was our chance and now they're up by five again what are we doing so there were a lot of um you know paper clutching and nearby office desk um just like angrily sipping my iced cappuccino just like come on that was it (laughs) like it's basically trying to merge onto the highway and you keep missing your opportunity that's what it felt like that's a great analogy because that's exactly how i felt too uh, again, I also echo that. I didn't think that we were going to lose. It was just, when is that run going to happen when we take over? You know, it, it, it almost happened there in the beginning of the second quarter. It mm-hmm. almost happened during the third quarter. And it finally happened at the beginning of the fourth. But you're right. I just kept waiting and waiting for it to happen. We kept missing these bunnies from up close. But uh, speaking of being up close, the Raptors performed a lot better in the paint. We talked about this after yes. the game one recap how the Raptors were outscored by 20, which is okay when you're hitting a franchise record 22 three-pointers. This time around, you know, as the world turns and everything kind of returned to some form of normalcy, the the Raptors had a poor shooting night from from three-point land, but they made up for it by constantly attacking the basket. Now, Mm -hmm. Jared Allen was kind of the focal point of Brooklyn's defense, Uh, trying to deter anyone who came in the rim. So he was effective at times, but at the most, for the most part, the Raptors were great at getting at the rim, and it showed in the stats. They outscored the Nets 46-32 to 32 after being outscored 48-28, and that really made up for all of the three-pointers that they were missing. So that's one stat that jumped out to me. Um, in terms of individual box scores, the... The Raptors really did spread it around. And whereas in the first game, it was all about Fred Van Vliet's air show, this game was evenly split between, again, Fred Van Vliet hitting some some big buckets there in the third quarter, as well as Norm Powell really jumping out. I think that he was the star of the game for the Raptors. He came off the bench and provided some really useful minutes. He was a almost a game high, uh, plus 16. That actually game high went to Sergi Bucket plus 18, who did great in in giving uh, making up for Gasol, who had a surprisingly poor game. But back to the mm-hmm. bench, and Norm Powell specifically, he was outstanding. It was, uh, I think he was 10 of 11 from inside the arc, but one of six from behind the arc. So even though his shot wasn't falling, he was the a microcosm of the Raptors. Like mm-hmm. the, the outside shots not falling, so let's just keep attacking and attacking. He did. I think he had something like four dunks in this game. It was great. Uh, and one other number I'll throw at you: uh, Brooklyn Nets. They had some big struggles from uh, Karis LeVert, who yeah. was rightfully the the focal point of their defense, and he he shot a horrid five of twenty two from the field. So, you know, great, great work all around uh, by the Raptors. And, and, you know, the Brooklyn Nets showed what it takes to defeat the Raptors, right? You just got to keep bombing from three. And they shot 41 three-pointers, hitting 14 of them. So, you know, they, they, they were doing the right things, and they just eventually fell short to a more experienced Raptor squad. Well, I mean, 14 of 41 isn't great except for the fact that that statistic is a palindrome it's the same forwards and backwards so i mean <laughs> there's that um but you're absolutely right otherwise like 
look, what was the majority of what kept the Brooklyn Nets going? The fact that they never, ever, ever gave up. There were times where we were being completely out-rebounded at the half. Um, there were times where they were just grabbing everything. Like, even the Blase rebounds that we would grab, they, like, charged and went in. Because guess what? Even if they think that they're not going to make it, they want it to be hell for us so we don't continue on to the next round after after this round so we won't make it to the conference finals. They're not giving up, and they're proving their worth at, at, at any cost. And you have to respect that given what their situation is. So even like in like the second or the third, they were like diving for blasé rebounds that, you know, other games people uh, – you know, players would be like, okay, let's just get back on defense. No, they're grabbing those rebounds. Uh, offensive or defensive, like storming their way in there. Uh, insane ball movement, trying to get the perimeter open uh, and hitting those threes, as you said. Uh, there was a point in the third, especially, where it's like, uh-oh, like we keep getting close, but they keep landing those threes because they're permanently, like they're all Russell Westbrook mode right now. It's like, it doesn't matter. We're going to, like, if we were to make the next round, meaning the Nets, we might be exhausted. But, hey, at least we got there. And that's their mindset right now. So, um, otherwise, what it all took was the Raptors to step up in the fourth. And that's what they did because they were being out-rebounded. But you look at the total rebounds, and they're like two behind. So, they really stepped it up on that front. And keep in mind that the Raptors were also – it was bouncing backwards and forwards – uh, between how close we were getting and them extending the lead. But in reality, as bad as things looked, you look at the stats, which sometimes tell a different game. I didn't realize we only had eight turnovers, which is still not amazing, but compared to like what you might have seen, that's shocking. And the fact that Brooklyn had 17. So in a way, it's like, did we watch the same game, the stats and I? Like, did the statistician watch the same game? But but they did. I think all of those missed shots felt like they were turnovers because there were, like, yes. layups and and gimmies that should have gone into felt like they were turnovers. <laughs> yes. And then uh, the one uh, negative that I have that we need to clean up for next game, which made each turnover feel much more painful, and perhaps that's why they stuck out so much in my mind, the blasé passing, which – we did last year's playoffs. We can't do it this year, especially with a team like Brooklyn, who's, again, treating this like this is the finals, because to them it is. This is maybe as far as they're going to go. So they're not going to play easily. And when Marcus all kind of lobs it, no, you're going to get Levert or somebody booking it and grabbing that out of Van Vliet's hand. Like, you're not going to – you can't just do – artsy passes if they're playing grit and grind you've got to do it as well you've got to just do a direct bounce pass or a direct pass a quick one that's going to get to your player and cut through this defense that's like permanently running around because they're not going to quit so you know those types of loose passes or loose plays once you looked at the fourth and they were gunning it to the basket or they were trying to rip the ball from brooklyn's hands that's like yes and guess what that's what put us ahead Playing the same game that they were playing, only the Raptors' way. Play with grit, because if you're just trying to finesse your way, we're not a finesse team. We've never been a finesse franchise, even with somebody like Vince Carter. We've always been grit and grind. Junkyard Dog was one of our favorite players, right? Like, we got Marcus Gasol, who came from a grit and grind team. It's just in our nature. 
we got to play grit and grind when it comes down to it. And look what happens. You pull out a win. Yeah, and, and one of the Nets who tried to play grit and grind was Rodion Kurix, who mm-hmm. flagrantly elbowed or shouldered OG Ananobi in the face. Oh, that bad. ended up being, yeah, that ended up triggering aggressive OG as he ended up, I think, on the, the next three of the next four plays amounted to a driving dunk, a charge call that he picked up, and then on yes. the other end, he picked up a foul and drained two free throws. So really a turning point there from the Raptors. They they grabbed the lead and never let up. So thank you, Rodion Skurix. Um, <laughs> my my one problem with that issue, with that, um, and this will, will get talked about, I imagine, throughout Raptors Twitter, is the referee's explanation of that foul and not it not being a flagrant, saying that there was no wind-up Therefore, no flagrant. I think this this is along the same lines of what we saw earlier in the bubble, where it was like, yeah, he's not injured. Therefore, it's not a flagrant. I don't know. I saw that yeah. highlight. You've seen that highlight, Dre. That was a flagrant, right? First off, yes. Secondly, if that's not a flagrant, how in the hell is punching in the air a technical? But I digress. <laughs> I'm not a bitter maths fan. I'm just digressing. I'm going to bring it back. I've got to say, overall, even in this game, there were some very questionable calls, but it's not the usual, oh, it's against my team. I've got to say, overall in the bubble, I don't know what it is. The not-so-great teams are showing up. The great teams are kind of revealing their cracks, but they're still trying. The competition is great. The refereeing feels like it's worse than ever. Maybe it's just the drought. Maybe I just forgot. I don't know what it is. But the one thing I like, if the refereeing was better, at least in the bubble, like football, you hear directly from the ref's mouth before even the players hear what the call is going to be. So at least, you know, if we're going to get mad, we get it over with. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah, you're right. There's a lot of transparency there now, so it, it, that is kind of cool to, to to see. I don't think we have we've never had this before, right? Where you know we can so. hear the referee's explanation. So this is this is a pleasant sight, right? And and to your point about the foul calls, uh, you know, Brooklyn did have more fouls than the Raptors, twenty five to twenty one. I think the number that really jumps out to me in terms of how the, the general uh, flow of the game went is that, you know, as the Raptors' shots weren't falling, the they were able to still take advantage of the turnovers. And you were, you were alluding to this earlier, how the Raptors had eight less turnovers than the Nets. And they turned that into, the Raptors turned that into 17 extra points. So 23 to 6 edge in points off turnovers, that's great because then yes. you know you, you're 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 trying to find your way, you're trying to manufacture points because they're the shots just simply weren't falling. So mm-hmm. uh, great all around by the Raptors. As we, I guess, look towards Game Three, what are you what are you thinking about? Like, what are you thinking that I, that the Raptors need to fix, or is there something they need to do more? I've got a couple of thoughts, but I just was wondering what you were thinking there. The first thing. And it's something that we discussed neither with uh, the stats or with, um, I guess, the negative points. And it kind of falls under both. That free throw percentage is shoddy. We got to hit the gym and drain foul shots. 19 out of 28. That's a potential extra nine points we could have had at any point. And considering we shot 32 out of 33 in the previous game, that's a... That's going the exact opposite direction. Exactly. So we, I don't know if Dwight Howard dunked on this net too, and it just ended up being <laughs> on a slant. We weren't hitting the shots. That's fine from, well, it's not fine from three, but you've got to make it up in other ways. One of those is foul shots. We've got to get those better. 
but at least we made up for it in points in the paint, which is fantastic. Keep doing what you're doing in the fourth, playing tight, getting those points in the paint, stopping yourself from doing from committing turnovers, which this game, eight, considering what we've seen from the Raptors so far in the bubble, is actually quite good. Let's try and lower it even more if possible, which is hard, but you never know. Um it's playoffs basketball. There's going to be turnovers, but you know, just keep the number low, which is great. Grin and grind, get to the basket. If your shots aren't hitting and if your shots are hitting like game one, do a mixture of both. So they're not catching at the perimeter. And otherwise we've got a very solid team and in the bubble so far, probably one of the most well-balanced teams, which is looking fantastic. We're even in a game like this. Like you said, we never felt like we were going to lose. We got nervous but we never felt like we were going to lose. We just have to keep it up. Just keep keep up the hustle, and I think we're going to clinch this. Yeah, and this type of performance helps you as, as a fan and, and as us podcasting here kind of realize that this is going to be a grind, right? This is not just going to be handed over to us, and it's not going to be as easy as it was in Game 1. This is all about adjustments. And one thing I'd like to see, and we saw glimpses of it here and there, is the aggression from Pascal Siakam. Yes. I thought that he every chance that he could get, he was driving at the basket. Yes, they weren't falling all the time. And yes, he had another poor shooting performance by his standards. He was 6 of 14. But that aggression was there. And sometimes he would uh, be already be in the paint and still dish it off. Just go for it. Like Other than Jared Allen, you were taller than every single person on the court. Absolutely take advantage of that. I thought that there was a whole bunch of, yeah, exactly. There was a whole bunch of bunnies he missed there. He easily could have had 30 points in this game. Something that I really liked seeing at the end of the game there, despite how well uh, Serge Ibaka looked, was when he got subbed out in the final couple of minutes for for Siakam. And then we finally got to see Siakam as a center. Right. That lineup was pretty cool to see. And with Siakam and OG as your, your, your quote unquote bigs, flanked by Norm. Fred and Kyle. That was a pretty cool lineup to see, and and it seemed to be pretty effective in terms of closing out the Nets. I wouldn't mind seeing a little more of that moving forward, but at the same time, you've got two all-star caliber centers just sitting there on the bench. I mean, this team, we're spoiled, and when everything is clicking, you, you just watch out, right? So in this game in particular, it was not clicking for Gasol, so I'm glad that we have someone like an Ibaka to step in, and we have a coach like Nick Nurse to figure out ways to make this work, to kind of wrap up that point there, I'd like to see a little bit more out of Siakam. I think he's shown glimpses of it. And, you know, this is the type of series where he needs to have standout games or standout performances so that it can help in his confidence for the later rounds where he is definitely going to be facing much stiffer defensive competition. Like This this is the kind of matchup he should be taking advantage of. He should be getting 30 points a game and dominating here. Yeah, last season when we had Kawhi, Siakam, especially in the finals, was being compared to Scottie Pippen when it comes to him and his relation to Michael Jordan. This year, we need him to become Kevin Garnett, a standalone power forward that just dominates. And here's the the negative. Has he been great since the, the hiatus? Not his former self, no, but he's still trying. Here's the good news. Like Fred Van Vliet did last season in the finals um, or just throughout the playoffs. It was the Eastern conference finals as well that he's shown. Does he still have the ability to break out? 
yes. And when he breaks out, I think we're going to be unstoppable when it comes to certain matchups. So uh, the fact that we were only up by like five and three at times and Nick Nurse busted out an experimental lineup, the guy's got serious guts. I mean, Jesus Christ. This is where a lot of coaches were just resorts to Old Faithful because it would worked in the past. Nick Nurse is like, nope, we're only up by... A, a small stretch, one, two possessions. I'm going to try this, and guess what? It works um, because yeah. the, the last lineup is effectively like the most dominant Raptors were at the entire game, especially that final steal and slam with like milliseconds left to go in the game as the effective dagger. Like that came from this. I don't even know what lineup to call it. Just this new lineup, and it's like Nick Nurse, even in crunch time, always just trying new stuff, and it's crazy. I love it. Yeah. You know, if this wasn't the playoff game, this honestly would have looked like any other regular season game. And I know that that's very broad strokes uh, of an analogy, but I couldn't help but compare this to other regular season games this year, where if the shots weren't falling, you know, there was this underlying feeling that the Raptors could still come back. And we saw it in the fourth quarter here. We've Mm -hmm. seen this type of performance from the Raptors all season, whether or not, a certain game plan going into it is working or not, they figure out a way to win. And that, I think that's why both you and I didn't really doubt that the Raptors would figure out a way to pull this out. It just took until the fourth quarter to do it. And that, again, that's what they've done even during the season. They, they've waited or they haven't been able to figure out an answer to their opponent until the fourth quarter and they pulled it out. And that's exactly what happened here. So I think that the stakes, because the stakes are higher, it's a bit more magnified. But at the end of the day, what the Raptors did here today is what we've seen all season. And on that note, I think it's it's time to look forward to game three. Uh, Dre, do you have any parting shots before uh, we wrap up here? Well, first off, I can successfully say we're the first team in this year's playoffs to reach 2 nothing, and might be the only team in the first round considering the other matchups. So... Well done to us. Let's head on over to Digital Brooklyn and try and win away games. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. We're going to see the different crowd. Good point. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I guess one other minor footnote to this game. You know, you had mentioned it in our group chat, and I, I saw the questions floating around Twitter there. The question of where is Terrence Davis? I thought he did great in game one. Uh, he did not play in this game, and the significance of that is that is the first game he's missed all season. And he was the only Raptor who did play every game this season, so unfortunately his, his game streak ends there. Okay. But I have a feeling Nick Nurse is just holding another, holding that in his back pocket as another you know, trick up his sleeve if, if needed in Game 3. And on that note, we should probably look forward to Game 3. I'm not good at this sign-off as, as Jason is, but you can find us on Twitter at That's a Rap Pod and find this podcast on Raptors HQ as well as all of your podcatchers. And on that note, that's a wrap. <laughs>